Get Your House in Order, by Brother Tim Aaron. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order. For you shall die, you shall not recover. 2 Kings 22 verse 1, ESV. Brother Tim Aaron brings the word of God for the end time. You can find more information about Brother Tim Aaron at www.thiefinthenightministries.com. And here is Brother Tim Aaron. Glory to glory to glory to God. This is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for tuning in to another broadcast of Get Your House in Order. I'm your host, Tim Aaron. Uh, hopefully you have uh, been um, listening to my uh, shows and my teachings and have found them beneficial, uh, enlightening, uh, edifying. Hopefully your faith has grown listening to the show, to the programs. Um, I enjoy doing these. Um, uh, I love discussing and, and, and talking about the word of God. <clears throat> Hopefully you have uh, told family, friends about the show. Um, this show uh, tries to do its best of keeping it 100% Bible. I know a lot of ministries claim to do that. A lot of ministries on radio, a lot of ministries on television claim that they 100% Bible, but that's a challenge, people. You know, that's not nothing that you can just say because it sounds good to say. You know, we have been uh, <clears throat> so brainwashed over time uh, in today's time uh, by television, by radio, uh, by society. Uh, so much has been uh, thrown our way that is ungodly or doesn't represent Christ. And a lot of times these uh, these uh, suggestions sneak in and uh, they can uh, harvest in your life. And before you know it, you know, you have uh, what you call ethics and morals. They really don't line up with the word of God, but you think that they are good. And, um, and that's a problem. It can, it can keep you, it can, it can waste your life. It can, it, you can go a lifetime, uh, you know, just going in circles like uh, the children of Israel when they uh, got out of Egypt and were supposed to be headed to the promised land and they, they was going in circles for a 40 year period. Yeah, which is a waste of time, a massive waste of time. And, and and that's true today with a lot of us, myself included. You know, we have to detox. You know, it's so important for us to understand that Satan is busy and Satan wants us to get entangled with things that really don't matter, with things that really doesn't benefit us. And if he can get us entangled with sin, that's even better. As far as he is concerned, you know, so I want to challenge you, you know, to always reconsider your position and what you believe in and what you think is right. You know, because, you know, most of us, everybody probably under the sound of my voice, that means you're alive today. Most of us alive today. We have been raised by television. 
And I'm talking about from from commercials to cartoons to situation comedies to uh, the weekly dramas to soap operas, you name it, movies. Satan always finds a way to drop a seed in these shows, in these programs, in these commercials, in these cartoons. That's right. Cartoons for children. He wants to get at us early. He always finds a way to drop some sort of seed that can harvest in our life that that is not of God, of course. So just want you to be aware of that. Don't be so confident that you got it figured out because I I believe truth is a lifelong process and we always got to, you know, reconsider, look for more truth. Um, I believe as we walk in truth, the Holy Spirit brings us more truth. And if we accept it, then he keeps bringing it as long as we keep accepting it. But a lot of times our pre-established understanding will quench the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit to bring truth our way. And we won't receive it because it doesn't line up with what television has already planted in our hearts. So you have to be aware of that. You have to be aware of that. Um, I always uh, talk about the King James version of the Bible. A lot of people uh, look for other translations because they say, oh man, the King James version is so hard to understand. I, I need a simpler version of the Bible. And then that's when a lot of people find themselves studying a lot of Bibles published in the 1900s, 1950. This Bible was published in 1970. This Bible was published in 1989. This Bible was published in 2003. All of these new Bibles, a lot of times strip the word of God of so much truth and replace it with worldly culture, with modern day worldly culture. And so I want to warn you against a lot of these newer translations and, and, and interpretations uh, and versions of the Bible. Um, they, it's not always good, you know. And a lot of a lot of the stuff um, is added to fit culture. Uh, and one of the main examples I always give, you know, when I bring this point up, is the story in John chapter four with Jesus. At the woman, uh, at the woman at the well, Jesus encounters this Samaritan woman that was drawing water at the well, you know, and Jesus asked her for something to drink. And then he said, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for something to drink. And she said, you don't have nothing to draw with. How can you give me something to drink? And Jesus says, well, the waters I have, you know, will bring life and it would bring up a spring into you of, of waters where you would never thirst again. Of course, I'm paraphrasing try to get to the point. And um, so see, she eventually asked him for this water and he says, go get your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And he said, you have answered rightly for you have had five husbands. And watch this. Here's where if you read it in the King James or you read it in some of the older versions of the English translation of the Bible printed before the 1900s or even I think like the American Standard you know, keeps it straight here because it was printed in 1901, I believe. Uh, but some of our o- older translations, Jesus says, you have answered correctly for you have had five husbands. And this is what he says. And the man you are now with is not your husband. Okay. Now here 
is where a great example of where our newer Bibles add culture to the text. If you read a translation that was printed in the 1950s of newer, they say Jesus said, and the man you are now living with. Now, see, that changes the narrative of the story because this woman was at the well drawing water because she was a prostitute and she was getting water together for a service that she was about to provide for a paying John, a paying customer. Okay, And so Jesus interrupted this man's prostitution session that was about to take place. That's what's happening here. Now, when you read it in the Nura translation, it says the man you are now living with, that changes the narrative from a prostitute to a man living with his girlfriend. Now, I want you to be aware, the Bible makes no distinction of whether a man is living with a girlfriend and doesn't have a marriage license versus a man that's living with a woman that does have a marriage license. That's something new. And it's a culture thing. That's something that we just started uh, dealing with in the 1900s. Right. That new. And so this is a great example of how culture will replace some of the truth of the word of God. Now, why do I say this woman was a prostitute? Well, she was drawing water by herself at the well at a strange hour of the day. And uh, Jesus said she has no husband. Now, I am of the opinion when a man and a woman are living together, they're married. So Jesus said she is uh, he is not your husband. Or you were right. You're not married. And then uh, when Jesus prophesies to her, she drops everything and she runs and she tells the men not her living boyfriend, but she runs and tells the men of the city about Jesus. Okay. Uh, so all of this stuff points to this woman was a prostitute. This could be the very same woman that we read about. I want to say in Luke chapter six or seven, the sinful woman um, that's at, I believe, Simon's house that, that, that washes Jesus's feet with her tears and wipes them with her hair. Luke chapter six, I believe it is. So this could be that same woman, the sinful woman. OK, so that's a great example of what I'm talking about, how the newer Bibles replace truth uh, with culture. You know, so beware of the newer Bibles. I hope that was good for somebody right there. Um, before I go any further, I want to open up the show with uh, offering an invitation to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That is the number one priority of life. You know, that's going to be the bottom line for every single person on the face of the earth. Do you have Jesus or not? About 2000 years ago, Jesus came to the earth to redeem man back to God because man was lost in his sins. Uh, back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve took the forbidden fruit, sinned against God and were separated from God from that day forward. And ever since then, man was lost in his sins, separated from God. But Jesus, about 2000 years ago, came to fix that. He came through the door through the Virgin Mary. And uh, he was uh, raised by the, this couple. His father was a carpenter. And his mother was this uh, great virgin woman chosen by God. And, um, and over a period of time, he entered into his ministry about the age of 30 years old. 
and he did all sorts of wonderful things and made a great name for himself throughout the region. And as a result, he made a lot of haters, a lot of enemies. People wanted to see him gone, dead, because he was still in a lot of uh, churches' memberships. Okay, people were leaving their 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 churches because hey, here's a man that's getting results. Here's a man that's doing wonderful things. You know, our church wasn't doing so much like this. Okay, so they would leave their churches and go follow Jesus. And a lot of, uh, of course, a lot of rabbis, a lot of Jewish pastors and teachers didn't like that. So instead of embracing Jesus for what he was doing, they decided to hate him instead and um, conspired to uh, have him arrested and put to death. And so they lied on Jesus and Jesus was eventually arrested. And um, the Roman soldiers uh, mocked Jesus, abused Jesus. Uh, they punched him, slapped him around. They placed a crown of thorns on his head and, and said, behold, the king of the Jews, here's your crown. And uh, yeah, they mocked him. Um, they, they, they beat him uh, with a whip and gave him 39 stripes while he was in prison. And then they nailed him to a tree, to a cross, and hung him on that tree, nailed his hands and his feet. And when he was suffering and when he was thirsty and when he asked for water, they gave him vinegar to drink. And he eventually died on the cross. They pierced him in his side till blood and water ran out. And Jesus died on the cross at that moment for the sins of the world, past, present, and future. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10 and 9, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, it is as simple as just praying and asking Jesus, to come into your heart, to come into your mind, to come into your soul and be your Lord and Savior. Confess that you believe that he is the son of God and that he was raised from the dead on the third day. And it's just that simple. At that moment, you are saved. You have the seal of the blood of Jesus Christ over your life. It's just that simple. Now, because you believe it and because you confessed it from that time forward, you're supposed to pursue it. That's right. He's supposed to pursue the commandments of Christ and learn his ways and begin to live and pattern your life after his lead. Amen. So hopefully you have made that choice to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, become saved, become a Christian. And if you have done that, it's the best choice you will ever make in your entire life. Amen. Okay. Last uh, last week, I. The topic was Revelations chapter 15 and 16, and um, I finished up with 15. And so today I'm going to pick up at chapter 16, doing a little recapping as I go along the way. But uh, Revelations chapter 15 and 16 today, the last half 16. Um, so I guess I, what I do is I just begin to read chapter 16 and start. Uh, breaking down the the time and the setting and what's going on here and that sort of thing as uh, as we read. 
so go ahead and turn into your Bibles and follow along with me if you can. Uh, Revelations chapter 16. So let me do a little recapping right quick. I was pointing out how um, chapter 15 in the vision John is receiving from the Lord, he is jumping around in time. He's back and forth, back and forth. And he does this a lot in the book of Revelation. Revelation is not a book in time order. You know, that's the best way I think I've ever put it. It's not a book in time order. You know, like a lot of books are when you sit down and read most books. And as you're reading it, it's giving you a time order chapter by chapter. And so a lot of people might make the mistake and approach Revelations in that same way and get confused and and make a mess of what's going on, getting things backwards and out of order. And I believe that's what gave birth to the pre-tribulation rapture theory, trying to make sense of Revelation, not realizing that it's visions and its prophecies are not in time order. Okay. Um, I covered last time that you have to make what Jesus said, the foundation uh, when it comes to the end times as well. And Jesus gave us uh, a foundation about when the rapture takes place. He says at the last day, He's going to gather all them, all, A-L-L, all them that belong to him up again at the last day. Okay, so that eliminates any possibility of a pre-tribulation rapture. Okay, because, well, the, the, the tribulation is a three and a half year period on the earth. So there cannot be no pre which means before the tribulation rapture, if Jesus is going to do the rapture at the last day, it's just that simple. And so we have to make what Jesus said, our foundation, not only in revelation or when it comes to the end time, but in every area of life. Right. So uh, in in John chapter six, verse 39, 40, 44 and 54, I, I, I go there a lot and I'm going to probably continue to go there because it is my foundation for when the rapture takes place. And he says it, that it's going to take place at the last day, the last day, plainly. He also says it plainly in Matthew chapter 24. Um, when the sun is darkened and the moon will not give her light and the stars of heaven will fall, that he's going to send his angels to gather his elect from the four winds of the earth. That's describing once again, the last day. Okay. So, um, I covered that. And um, so when you approach a chapter like Revelations chapter 15, uh, I, be- I believe I have discovered that every time John says, and I beheld or and I saw or and I looked when he's talking about what he uh, what he have seen is starting a new scene in his story. OK, And I beheld and I looked and I seen whether it's in the middle of the chapter, he is starting a new scene in the story. And that scene, um, that scenario can be ahead in time or it can be back in time. He can jump back in time, which he does a lot. Okay, I tried to explain that um, last week and before I've tried to explain that. 
he jumps around in time. So if you make the mistake and think this is a, a, a in order story in the order of time, then you you you've made a big mistake when it comes to the book of Revelation. OK. So. <clears throat> um, let's begin to pick up now in chapter 16. Revelations chapter 16, verse one. Now, these are talking about the seven. Uh, vials, the seven vials in the book of Revelation, you have seven seals, you have seven trumpets, and then you have seven vials. Now, like what this minister on television named Irving Baxter said about that, he said the seven, the seven seals is the very long story. And I believe the seven seals cover a 2000 year period. And that's another, that's another, I think, uh, piece of bad teaching. I say that respectfully. Another piece of bad teaching is that the seven seals and the same and the seven trumpets and the seven vows all take place in the final seven year period. Not at all. Not at all. I don't believe that's what it is at all. In um, chapter one, Jesus tells John that these things will shortly come to pass. He tells him that 2000 years ago, and there's nothing short about uh, a 2000 year gap. OK, because that's what it would be if the seven seals and the seven trumpets and the seven vows all took place in the final seven years. Now, I do believe that the seven vows do, but the seven seals and the seven trumpets do not. Now, I believe the seven seals is the bigger story, like the minister on television says. And then um, the seven trumpets is the is the shortest story, which I be- I believe began in the 1900s. And then. Uh, the seven vials will take place in the final seven year period, really at the very end. OK, so uh, I will begin to explain myself on those factors uh, as you follow this ministry more and more and more. OK, uh, verse one. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Okay. Now, um, I want to point out something here. Um, In this story, in this scripture right here, you got seven angels and they have been given seven vials and in them contain the wrath of God. Okay. So, they have now just been instructed to go and pour out uh, these vials on the on the earth, uh, which contain the wrath of God. Now, I believe when they begin to do this, this is going to be during the Great Tribulation period. Okay. This is going to be doing during um, a period where the Antichrist is in charge. And I believe it's going to be towards the very end of that period. So we're probably looking at um, maybe the, the, the final few months, maybe the final few weeks. You know, we're near the end here, near the very end of this final seven year period, near the end of this final three and a half year period where the Antichrist is evil, his evil reign is about to come to an end. And this is what we 
This is the setting. This is the setting here. This is what we're about to start seeing these angels do uh, as a result of the Antichrist coming to the end of his reign. Okay. And it says, and the first verse two, and the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon men, which had, okay, the mark of the beast and upon them, which worshiped his image. Now that kind of proves what I just said a minute ago, because when you read Revelations chapter 13, when it talks about um, the, the beast and the Antichrist and establishing their kingdom, uh, it mentions that they uh, come up with the mark of the beast system somewhere towards the middle of their three and a half year period. Okay. And then it says, and this, this sword fell on people who had the mark already. So see, this is putting us towards the end of this great tribulation period. Um, verse three, and the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. Wow. So that sounds like that's talking about marine life. So um, we, somebody now can say, hey, I guess animals do have souls because I believe this is talking about marine life here. I guess that's another topic for another time. OK. OK, verse four. And the third, <clears throat> excuse me, and the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of water, waters, and they became as blood. Now, no, these vials are starting to sound a lot like the 10 plagues that we read about in the book of Genesis. Oh, no, in the book of Exodus, excuse me, when Moses was, was uh, trying to confront Pharaoh about letting his people go, letting the, the, the Israelites go so that they can serve their God. I don't know if you remember that story, but there's a lot of... Uh, stuff about that story. You know, that's one of the more popular stories of the Bible. When, you know, Moses went to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's heart was hardened and God allowed these 10 plagues to come up on Egypt for not letting the people go. Uh, you know, talking about rivers turning into blood was the first plague, I believe. And then you had frogs and gnats and flies and boils came up on men, just like we just got through reading here um, in the, um, the first, the, 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 the first vial fell a noisome and grievous sore upon men, which had the mark of the bee. So this is sounding a lot like what we see uh, with Moses and Pharaoh back uh, during that um, um, battle between Egypt and the uh, children of Israel back then. So <clears throat> the Bible does that a lot. You know, a lot of stuff that we read in the Bible, uh, there usually is a mirror of it somewhere else in the Bible, you know? Uh, so that's why I always say, hey, interpret scripture with scripture because the Bible is beautiful like that. You know, Jesus understood that there's going to be so much deception out here, so much information out here, and so much misinformation out here that he has given us uh, this, this wonderful Bible, uh, especially I, I always promote the King James Version. Now, I do find flaws sometimes with the King James Version, but the King James Version is beautiful and it will allow you to interpret Scripture by Scripture, I believe, better than just about any other version of the Bible. Okay? 
So and another thing I want to say about this verse, uh, this third angel, verse four, the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. Um, now, there is something to be said about that scripture. Now, you could take that literally that the rivers became blood because that's what we do see with Moses. He turned the river of Egypt into blood as one of their plagues. And so that can be a literal interpretation. But I've also discovered another possibility what that can mean. Um, in the book of Proverbs, King Solomon uses these same words uh, in reference to women, women, uh, rivers, fountains, and waters, rivers, fountains, and waters. Solomon refers to women in that way. And uh, we also can apply this to the third trumpet, the third trumpet. It talks about uh, these rivers were polluted with bitterness and so that can be interpreted as a movement of bitter women. Um, and uh, Solomon also uses the word drink out of these rivers and fountains of water and let them be thy own only. This is uh, Proverbs uh, chapter five, uh, verse 15 and 16. Let them be thy own only and no strangers with thee. So he uh, refers to women in this way. Could this be? Uh, the key to understanding this revelation prophecy here. Um, this prophecy is saying that the, the, the third angel poured out his veil upon the rivers and fountains of water, just like how Solomon uses rivers, fountain water, referring to women, and they became blood. Um, let's read on because uh, these next two verses uh give us more information about this uh, verse five. And I heard an angel of the waters say thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and was and shall be because thou has judged thus for they have shed the blood of saints and the prophets and thou has given them blood to drink. Wow. To drink for they are worthy. Okay. So stop right there. Like I said, in Proverbs chapter five, that's what Solomon says. He says, drink waters out of thy own cistern. Let, let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of waters running in the. So he, he's, he's talking the same talk, fountains, rivers and waters. Could this could this play? Could this vial be saying that during this time? the wicked women that have taken this mark of the beast, they're going to be struck with enlonged periods, menstrual cycles, right? Menstrual cycles to where there won't be no good for their husbands during this time period. Right. I mean, do we have any other examples in the Bible where a woman is bleeding for a prolonged period of time? Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> is it in the Gospels? The woman with the issue of blood. So like I said, the Bible 
it's funny like that, where the Bible will give us stuff to interpret what all this stuff means. And so this could be part of the plague here that this is not really talking about a river, the Mississippi River being turned into blood or the Missouri River being. No, it could be talking about women here. Well, women ain't going to be uh, no good sexually to their husbands during this period of time. And that could cause frustration. OK, let's make no mistake about it. That 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 can be a plague. All right. All right. Let's move on. We had um, verse seven. And I heard another out of the altar say, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. Yeah, um, people who lead, live in uh, tropical places and, you know, sometimes it can get downright hot. You can imagine if this is a literal interpretation, you know, a hundred degree day, you know, and the heat index 115 and and then you get no break. It's just day after day after day, you're getting this. That, that That's that's a mess. That's rough. OK. And um, verse verse nine. Revelation chapter 16, verse nine, and men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God. Okay. Let me say something about that right quick. Blasphemed the name of God. You know, on my job, I notice and and just, just period. uh, A lot of people use two cuss words seem like more than ever. They use the MF cuss word so often. And then the number one cuss word or the runner up cuss word is the GD cuss word. God blank. And to me, that is so blasphemous to just throw God's name around so carelessly like that. You know, and um, I just I just think that you know, is this a sad, um, is this a sad report of what men represent nowadays? People represent nowadays to just be so careless and so fearless when it comes to God's name that they want to throw the GD phrase around so carelessly and so often like they do. And um, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. The Bible teaches us that we're going to have to give an account for every single word that comes out of our mouth. That's what Jesus said. I can't, can't think of where that scripture is located right now, but Jesus said, we're going to have to give an account before, before God, you know, on why we said every single word we have ever said, you know, I don't want to have to explain why I've, well, I've said so many cuss words, so I try to keep my mouth as clean as possible. I don't know about you, but I just wanted to mention that. And um, <clears throat> verse nine, and the men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. Verse 10. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness 
and they gnawed their tongues for pain. So I believe um, Revelation chapter 18 teaches us that the great whore, um, the great whore in Revelation 18 sits on the beast. So I believe this is referring to her, the great whore. And um, the great whore in Revelation 18, uh, a lot of people teach that that could be the Catholic Church. And I do believe that myself. I believe that could be the Catholic Church, which will be the false prophet. Okay. And I believe that's referring to Babylon or the great whore or the great city and all of that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> verse 11. And blaspheme the God of heaven because their pain was uh, because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. Okay. Now we have verse 12 and the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates and the waters thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Okay. Now verse 13. And I saw, stop right there. Like I said, every time I believe in the book of Revelations, when John says, and I saw, he is switching scenes. Now notice up until now, he's been talking about these angels and their, and their vials and what they are doing with their vials. Now he's about to switch scenes here and talk about what uh, these evil spirits are about to do here. And uh, now typically when he says, and I saw, he not only switches scenes, but he usually jumps around in time. Sometimes he drop, jump, he jumps ahead in the story, but most of the time he jumps back in the story to give you information that he left out so that you can see what led up to what he already said. Most of the time he does that. But here, I believe he's just switching scenes and it's not really a, a major move in time forward or backwards. Okay. But he's switching scenes. He says, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. Okay. Now the dragon is none other than Satan himself. Okay. We see that in, um, uh, I believe it's Revelations chapter 12. Um, so the dragon is none other than Satan himself. And out of the mouth of the beast, that's the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Okay. So, for they are spirits of devils. So that's what I'm saying. He's switching scenes. Now he's talking about what these devils are doing. Working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth. So he might have jumped back in time just a little bit. And of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of almighty God. Okay. Now, verse 15, behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Now, what does that mean here? 
Usually, when he talks about coming as a thief, that is referring to the rapture. So, like I said earlier, um, the rapture takes place at the last day, along with the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Bible gives us plenty of information telling us that. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, uh, all them that belong to the Lord, he's going to gather again up at the last day. So this scripture is a warning that the rapture is near at this point. Now, this is why I concluded back in verse one that this is very, very late into in the Antichrist's time. This is very late in that evil three and a half year great tribulation period of the Antichrist. Uh, so these seven angels are pouring out their vials probably within the last couple of months, last few weeks of the Antichrist's reign on the earth. Okay. So that's why I get my, this, this is how I get my timing. And I believe that the scripture does give us information so we can narrow dot, narrow down a time, not a day or an hour, but a good time period. You know, he tells us three and a half years to begin with. So once the Antichrist takes power, we know three and a half years later, you know, that's when it's all going to come to an end. So don't make, make no mistake about it. Timing can be, you know, narrowed down in the book of Revelations. It sure can. Okay. <clears throat> now we had verse 15. He says, behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth. And keepeth his garment, lest he walk naked and they see a shame. And what does that mean? Blessed is he that keepeth his garment. Uh, the Apostle Paul touches on this in Second um, uh, Corinthians chapter five. He uh, he is teaching in that chapter early in that chapter that that our salvation, accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Christianity is our clothes, is our garments. And if we keep our garments, we won't be naked, he says. Okay, so that's what he is pointing out there. Um, being saved is our garments, is our covering, you know. So so this warning here in verse 15, Jesus is telling us, this is not time to be fainting because it's, it's getting close to my rapture. It's not time to be passing out, giving up and saying, hey, you know, I'm going to go ahead and take the mark of the beast. Because I'm tired of living outside in these Christian camps, uh, you know, not having the comforts of life. I want to go back to my house and turn on the water lights and gas like I used to have it and enjoy my television like I used to have it and, and, and enjoy my air conditioning or my heat. And enjoy running water. I want to have it like Jesus said, it's not time to go back and faint because I perceive and I believe that during this time period, the church is going to be living, you know, away from society. We're going to be forced out of society, uh, living in some sort of Christian camps, not taking the mark of the beast because we cannot buy or sell. We cannot participate in society unless 
we have the mark of the beast. That means we won't be able to enjoy the comforts of life. And Jesus is warning us, it's not time to pass out. It's not time to faint. It's not time to give up. I got you. Hold on. Hang in there. I'm on the way. Okay. Because as uh, these angels are pouring out these vials, we might not know it. Because if you study um, Exodus, when Moses was dealing with uh, the Egyptians and Pharaoh, those plagues were attacking only Egypt <laughs> and not the not the Israelites. You know, the Israelites were living in a camp uh, called Goshen outside of Egypt and all 10 of those plagues, except for the last one, all 10 of those plagues were just affecting Egypt and not Goshen. OK, so it might be possible that we might not we might hear about it, but we might not be witnessing these plagues attacking uh, the wicked people who have taken the mark of the beast and the Antichrist and his staff and his crew and his army. We might not be knowing that. And so we might get frustrated. We might be tired because uh, it's been three years. It's been three years and and four months at this point, And we'd be like, oh, I, I don't know about this. I, I might just go on back and take the mark of the beast so I can buy a sale so I can go to Walmart and give me some groceries and, and you know, get back my comfort. No, no, no. Uh -uh. That's what the scripture is about. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Verse 16. Um, and he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. Verse 19, and the great city was divided into three parts. And the city of the nations fell and great Babylon came into remembrance of before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. OK, so it sounds like the seventh vial is by far the worst. Now, I mentioned just a second ago in, in uh, Exodus when the 10th plague came. That plague would have, would have, was going to affect anybody that didn't have their doorposts covered in blood, whether it was in Goshen or in Egypt. So the, at that point, they had to be blood covered in order to escape the death angel. OK, same thing here. If you didn't take the mark of the beast here and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were blood covered and you were raptured. OK, at this moment, this is the last day. Well, what did I say? Uh, there were voices, thunders, and lightnings, and a great earthquake. Uh, this is verse 18. As was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake is so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came into remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Okay. Um, verse 19 is a summary scripture 
of the entire chapter of Revelations 18. This scripture, Revelations chapter 16, 19, is a summary scripture. It sums up everything that we read about in Revelations chapter 18. Okay, so if you got time, you can read that and understand that chapter 18 is taking place right here in Revelations chapter 16, verse 9. Right. Okay. And in Revelation 16, 20, and every island fled away and the mountains were not found. Okay. Verse 21, the last verse, and there fell upon me in a great hail out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hell for the the plague thereof was exceedingly great. Okay, so that's the whole chapter of um, Revelation chapter 16, these seven plagues, a lot going on here, a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, the timing of this chapter, I believe, is probably the last couple of months, uh, just before the last day. Uh, I believe these seven plagues, these seven angels are going to be released um, at the last part of the Antichrist's reign on the earth to annoy him. And I believe the seventh vial is going to be the mega vial. It's going to be the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, let me just say it like this. I believe that the sixth seal, the seventh trumpet and the seventh vial are all one and the same. Now, each one, when you read them, they might give a few little extra details here and there, but they are all one and the same. Let me say that again. The sixth seal, the seventh trumpet and the seventh vial. I've got a little time. Let's go right quick and look at the sixth seal. Let's read it right quick. It's found in Revelation chapter six, verse 12. It says, and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake. We read about that. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood. And there and the stars of heaven fell upon the earth even as a fig tree cast, casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heavens departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said unto the mountains and the rocks, Follow us. And hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come. Who shall be able to stand? Okay, that's the sixth seal. Now, let's take a quick look at the seventh trumpet. This is found in uh, Revelations chapter 11, uh, verse 15 through 19. And the seventh angel sounded and there fell Great voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders uh, which sat before God on their seats fell 
upon their faces and worship God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and has reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come in the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great and should destroy them which destroyeth the earth. Verse 19, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunders and an earthquake and great hell. All of this we saw in uh, chapter 16, uh, when he's talking about the seventh vial, Okay. Uh, it says in the temple was open. Now, if you read chapter 15, where we went over last week, it said the temple was basically closed uh, because of the smoke of the glory of God until all these vials were released. So here it says the temple was open back open again because these vials had just been completed. OK, so this is all the same stuff, the same uh, storyline, the um, the. Um, Sixth seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh vial, they all come to meet the same story. Okay. Um, also, Matthew chapter 24 gives us more evidence of this because it describes some of the same stuff. Matthew 24, 29 um, and through 31. And it reads, immediately after the tribulation, you know, like, like I said, these seven vials you know, began to be poured out at the very end of this great tribulation, you know, and then the, the last one is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Okay. Immediately, Matthew chapter 24, 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars of heaven shall fall from, from heaven and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, okay, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds of the earth. That's, that's the same setting of the sixth seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh vial. One more passage. Let's go to... First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 52, I believe it is. And then this is the Apostle Paul, what he's talking about here. He says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, how many trumps are they? There are seven. We're talking about the sixth seal, the seven trumpets, and the seventh vial. So he says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last or the seventh trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And he's talking about the rapture there. So it all comes together, people of God. Hopefully you have enjoyed this week's teaching on Revelations chapter 15 and 16, primarily this week, chapter 16. Hope, uh, hope it's been a faith builder. Hope it's been uh, gratifying and encouraging and uh, meat and potatoes for your soul. 
Um, hopefully you have enjoyed it. If you have any questions and comments, you can reach me at thiefinthenightministries.com. Uh, that's my website there. You can hit the contact us link and there you can post a question, a comment. I would love to hear from you. That's thiefinthenightministries.com. Okay. You can tune in uh, every Saturday at 5 p.m. Central Time uh, on this radio uh, station. That's um, You can go to uh, the rcrnetwork.com. That's rcrnetwork.com. And you can tune in to catch my show every Saturday at uh, 5 p.m. Central Time. Tell family and friends about the show. And hopefully uh, it, I can continue to be a blessing to you and your family and friends. Okay, once again, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I'm your host, Tim Aaron. Uh, my brothers and sisters above, all things I wish that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper. God bless you. Take care. Peace. Thank you for listening to the show. We hope that you were blessed by the message from the Word of God. Come back next time for more of Get Your House in Order. I'm leaving this cold world, going up yonder to that holy place. I'ma sit down, talk with Peter, sit down, talk with Paul, and I'ma say, take me to Jesus, the one who really paid it all for me. This world. Get Your House in Order is copyrighted by Thief in the Night Ministries and the Resilient Christian Radio Network.